0: the Wayne Sumner Studio. My recommendation is in honor of the British Bodie McBoatface. It's uh, Sonny McCarface. Broadcasting live in Boone, North Carolina on 90.5 WASU-FM. You're driving and you think you start getting hungry and you're like, oh, I have a Dunkin' Donuts app on my car. Why not I just buy 12 donuts? Around the world on iHeartRadio and WASUradio.com. It's astonishing what you've done. You managed to have a three-car pileup on a road with a speed limit of 25 miles per hour right in front of the police station too so uh, congratulations this is, this is loopy radio this is loopy radio this is loopy radio this is loopy radio on October 17th 2018 and I'm loopy so I've I've come across something uh, weird something that puzzled me a good bit and uh it's about uh, connecting people's brains it um that's that's kind of that's that's the thought i had when i first heard it i was like yeah really yeah uh connecting people's brains allowing people to share thoughts but we'll get to that in a second uh it's been a weird day here at the station uh we've it seems like everyone's been around, uh, which is fun. Uh, a lot of a lot of people just hanging around the station today. And I think part of that reason is because we've had some issues with our transmitter. We were actually off air for a little while today, which um, for some people at this station is stressful. Uh, for everyone, it's uh, disappointing. And so we're having to work through that. We've had issues the, the past few months with just cutting out spontaneously for— I don't know, three or four seconds randomly. Sometimes more than others. Uh, You know, some hour shifts you'll have it cut out once, and sometimes you'll have it cut out eight times, and that's a problem. And then finally today, it was just it was one could put no signal uh, coming out of that uh, tower. We got up on a mountain, so uh, we had our engineer people and uh, Maggie Harper, our station manager, went up to the transmitter and uh, switched over the station to the backup that we have. And that's what got it going again. And then they switched it back over to the normal one, and it worked again. So we're just completely confused. We don't know what the heck is going on. Uh, It's weird, too, because we've heard that at some points, it sounds like another radio station was somehow getting through and being broadcast out of our tower, which is just weird. And from what I've heard, it might have been NPR, so maybe NPR is trying to hack us. I guess that's the that's the best uh, idea I have about this. We're being hacked by NPR. Anyway, connecting brains. I don't know if this is a good idea or not. It sounds to me like this is another thing that, um, you know, if you see a good potential in it, I feel like it has much more negative potential. Much more. It's kind of like uh, you know the debate of nuclear power. You know it can do something. It can also do a whole lot of bad. But uh, I think I, up to this point, given the restraint the world has had on using nuclear weapons, I can say that it definitely has been beneficial to the world up to this point. But connecting people's brains, what do you, what are you trying to accomplish with this? I don't I don't see the good side. Like, what maybe you think you could have two super smart people think together? Why not just talk? Why do you have to have your brains connected? Why do you have to be able to share thoughts? Maybe it's quicker. Well, when we dive into this, we'll find out that it's not exactly as straightforward as you might think, but the concept exists and they've been testing it. And so far, this basic form of connecting brains works it's weird it's mind-boggling and this actually is not the first time that they've done a test like this but it's um the best result they've ever had they can get actual data and results from this so it's uh, it's weird it is a weird weird world we're living in also we got stuff on the opioid crisis it's sad I'm glad that, uh, as far as I know, we don't really have it up here, but there are just some parts of the country where it's depressing. We're not just talking about, like, you know, dumb kids who do drugs getting hooked on opioids or, you know, a certain part of culture that likes doing drugs getting hooked on them. We're talking about just anybody, and that's just kind of the nature of the situation is that anybody can get hooked on opioids, whether that was their intention or not. I don't think anyone would ever intend on getting hooked on a drug like that, but you can set yourself up for it intentionally, but a lot of people, they're just normal people doing in most cases what their doctor told them to do. And they get hooked on these things. And it's still taking a lot of time for anyone to put up an idea of how to stop it. And I think especially it's it's really bad in the Midwest. It's bad everywhere. I'm glad I'm glad it seems like it's not a bad thing here. It might be. I hope our good old high country doctors know better. And they're cheap too. That's the thing. They're so cheap. Just because they're illegal to sell on the, you know, on the black market, I guess technically everything's illegal to sell on the black market. That's kind of the point. But just because, you know, just because you can buy them illegally doesn't mean that they're expensive. They're remarkably cheap, cheap to make. And uh, as it turns out, really stinking easy to find as well. So I'll be right back with a little bit more stuff. Scientists have connected brains of three people. Three people connected brains. It's kind of terrifying. I'm fear-mongering here on Loopy Radio. We'll be right back. I'm loopy. Would you want to have your brain connected with two other people? Yes, yeah, see, we're not talking about connecting your brain with one other person. We're talking about connecting with two other people. Here's the thing. From science alert, alert, there's science. Scientists have connected the brains of three people, enabling them to share thoughts. This came out just a few weeks ago. Neuroscientists, that's a big word, have successfully hooked up a three-way brain connection to allow three people to share their thoughts. And in this case, they connected them to play a Tetris-style game. Tetris is a very old video game. It's all strategy, having to use shapes and stuff like that. The team thinks this wild experiment could be scaled up to connect whole networks of people. Now, this, that's where I'm confused. The test is fascinating. We'll talk about it in a second, but connect whole networks of people. I mean, that's just terrifying. You know, you could think of you know I'm I'm sitting here trying to think of what's the good. So maybe you do get a bunch of smart people and give them a task to figure out. Well, we're going to find out here that it's not as simple as you hear them thinking. It's it it doesn't work that way. It uses a code. So it's not like you're straight up like you can see their memories and hear their thoughts as if they're speaking, it it doesn't work that way, which I think is good because then you could just hook up to someone's brain and find out every terrible thing about them, and nobody wants that. But, you know, what's what's the good? Maybe you, maybe you do get the smart people together. Maybe you do. And uh, I don't know, maybe that would allow them to think through something difficult faster. Maybe. But think of the bad. If you can figure out someone's thoughts, you know, you, if you don't like someone, you just get them set up in this kind of situation and find out everything and blackmail them on whatever you can. You know, good people can do that or bad people can do that. And you can do it to good or bad people. I just I just think there's, there's a danger with this if you're pursuing it. Yes, it's cool. Yes, I like people finding out cool things, but uh, I just don't see it. Maybe that's why I'm not uh, a billionaire at the age of 21, because I don't see cool things like this. Uh, So the the article uh, says, again, it's from Science Alert. Alert Science. It says it works through a combination of electro, also known as EEGs. For recording the electrical impulses that indicate brain activity. And also known as TMS. Where neurons are stimulated using magnetic fields. EEGs and TMSs. Where neurons are stimulated using magnetic fields. And recording the electrical impulses that indicate brain activity. So you're looking at magnetic fields and electrical pulses around the brain the researchers behind the new system have dubbed it brainnet that sounds terrifying as well and says it could eventually be used to connect many different minds together even across the web even across the internet the researchers wrote we f- we present brainnet which to our knowledge is the first multi-person non-invasive direct brain-to-brain interface for collaborative problem-solving, multi-person, non-invasive. Yeah, that's good. I bet the volunteers uh, wouldn't have come if they found out it was invasive for uh, looking at your brain. They say the interface allows three human subjects to collaborate and solve a task using direct brain-to-brain communication. In the experiment set up by the scientists, two senders were connected to EEG electrodes and asked to play a Tetris-style game involving falling blocks. They had to decide together whether each block needed rotating or not. To do this, they were asked to stare at one of two flashing LEDs at either side of the screen. One flashing at 15 Hz and the other at 17 Hz, which produced different signals in the brain that the EEG could pick up on. These choices were then relayed to a single receiver, so the third person, through a TMS cap that could gather phantom flashes of light, phantom, sorry, phantom flashes of light, in the receiver's mind. The cap could pick up... Yeah, it's just confusing. And they're known as phosphenes. Lots of words, lots of big words. The receiver couldn't see the the third person couldn't see the whole game area, but had to rotate the falling block if a flash of uh, light signal was sent in the brain. It's confusing. It's uh, it's weird. Basically, you got two people who can see the game, and they tell the third person by looking at a certain light that sends off a signal in their brain to uh, tell the receiver what to do. I feel like I described everything there absolutely terribly. It's confusing me as I read it. It's confusing. See, smart people have to do this, and I'm not. I'm dumb, and that's why I have a platform to broadcast my voice to the world. Because that's how it works. Just ask anyone else in radio. They'll agree with that completely. College Talk Radio. Loopy without banned substances. All right, I'm Loopy. So we're talking, we're talking about something weird. We're talking about connecting people's brains. Only the finest things on this show. Every week. Every Wednesday at 9 p.m. So we're talking about connecting people's brains. And uh, this is from Science Alert. Because we're alerting you to science. So basically what they did is they've conducted tests using... uh, The scientists have used these two things. They're they're using electro... Also known as EEGs as well as things called magnetic, also known as TMS, uh, in order to collect data. And basically, there are two people who look at a game kind of like Tetris and make the decisions on what should happen. And so in order to make that decision and send it to the third person, They have to look at one of two lights, both of which blink at different rates and therefore send a different message to the brain. Once that message gets to the brain, the brain makes a certain signal that the EEGs and the other thingies, TMSs, can pick up on. From there... That signal that one of those things picks up on gets sent to the third person, who then does it in the game. All right. Across five different groups of three people, the researchers hit an accuracy average of 81.25%, which is not bad, frankly, for a first go at this. This is the first time they've done this. They had five different groups of three people playing this game. There was an accuracy of 81.25% in sending the signal to the other person. Basically 81%. To add an extra layer of complexity to this, the senders could add a second round of feedback indicating whether the receiver had made the right call. That's part of how they got the 81.25%. The people can go, ah, I didn't actually say that. You didn't hear me right. 81.25%. Receivers were able to detect which of the senders was most reliable based on brain communications alone, which the researchers say shows promise for developing systems that deal more with real-world scenarios. So you can kind of tell who's doing the right thing and know who you should trust, basically what they're saying. Even when doing something like this where you're transmitting transmitting signals to each other's brains through technology and science and freaky stuff. And while the current system can only transmit one bit or flash of data at a time, so a yes or a no type thing, left or right. The team from the University of Washington and Carnegie Mellon think the setup can be expanded in the future this is just a first go from these people but they're getting 81.25 percent accuracy in the first go they got some potential to come up with something now granted we're talking about going from you know sending one bit at a time of information the freaky part is going to be when you can start sending a lot more information to each other at At one time. Because right at at this point, I don't care how many people, how many smart people you put together. If you're just transmitting a yes or a no, you know, and that's all you can do at a time, you might as well be on the phone talking. You're going to accomplish way more. You're just going to get way more done. But if we get to the point where you can start just like draining information... I mean that's that's freaky, but you start, you start digging a little deeper. This is very cool, but you start digging a little deeper, and you you also realize it's not like, you know, taking a flash drive and sticking it in a computer, and the computer remembers everything the flash drive gave it. I think this is a kind of a thing where you're like talking to the people, and it, you don't remember everything. When someone talks to you, you know, I used to hear statistics, you know, people would say you remember like 7% of what people say to you if you're listening to a lot. Now, if you listen to one sentence, you're not remembering one-seventh of that sentence. You're probably going to remember the sentence. But if you're sitting and listening to a, you know, a two-hour lecture or this weird show, you know, you're thankfully in a lot of cases only going to remember about seven percent of what you hear just seven percent i don't know what seven percent you're gonna remember of my show and i probably don't want to know i probably don't okay so we're halfway this is such a quick show my goodness all right i'm loopy we're halfway We're gonna be right back with something interesting. It's a zinger. Not really. But come back. Anyone who's listening to this at any point in their life has taken a class where they're just kind of sitting there questioning what all's going on. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm very critical of a lot of things, and I think a lot of people should be. You now, critical does not mean cynical, and critical also definitely does not imply that you agree with everything. And so, and so, one of the things that Places like App State, other schools, whether it's college or high school or even middle school, you know, they they tell you that being critical and thinking about things is good. You know, learn things, draw your own conclusions based off of what you know, you know, and obviously, naturally, I don't think anyone would do this. But they also say, you know, don't don't draw a conclusion that doesn't make sense. You know, and so I I hear a lot of things from a lot of professors, you know, and I kind of sit there and think, you know, is there something wrong with that? Or I see something wrong. What does that actually mean about the real thing? You know, stuff like that. And so you get things like politics these days where, you know, you have always Trumpers and never Trumpers and Bernie supporters and people who are like, I don't like that guy. I think he's a communist. You know, so you have all these things in the world and people say you know you're free to choose you know you're free to make your own decisions and think what you want but then you actually get to the point of making a decision and when you do those people who say you're free to make your decisions come at you and say you're an idiot or they say yeah of course so like, i thought i was free to make a decision you know i I feel like I'm free to make a decision. I feel like I should be. You know. And so before I dive into what I'm going to say here, I got to say I love this school. I do. I absolutely love it. I've ordered a class ring. I plan on coming by and visiting. If I can one day, I want a lab to have my name next to it. Lord willing, if I make the money to do that. I'd love to be a regular up here. If I become big, I want to be a speaker at the Keller Radio Talent Institute, yearly. I love what this school has allowed me to do. And from what I understand, it's going to launch me into something real. And it's it's humbling to say that. I came to this school as just a nobody. A, A nobody with some serious problems that he had to weave through. We'll get more onto that, too. But I come to a place that I've come to love, a place that's given me a lot, and uh, I want to give to it in the future if I can. And I, in this place, I take so many classes that say be critical, but they don't walk the talk. Or walk the walk. They just talk the talk. I guess you can't walk the talk. That doesn't really that doesn't work. But they they have so much talk. They have so much say. And then you get down to it. And it it seems like they don't agree with what they're telling you. It seems like what they're telling you at the beginning is kind of like the little legal font at the bottom of the advertisement that has a bunch of words saying like, yeah, we said that, but Yeah, we said that, but you've got to think this is what it really feels like to me. And so, for example, I'm in a class right now that requires a lot of photography. It's interesting. I've never really worked with cameras much. And so this class and another class I'm in are kind of forcing me to become good with cameras. Great skill, especially if you're trying to get into media, trying to make yourself look good, trying to make the things you do look good great way to start is to have some good photos. And so I'm in this class and we're assigned a big project of inter- that includes interviewing people and taking photographs that go with the interviews. And you try to make the photographs kind of tell a story. You know, so it's not just about the interviews. You know, that, that could be a journalism class. The class is about taking photos that match the interview. That's the difficult part. That's kind of an artistic part. You got to be smart. And so I, I'm i sitting in this class, and then the teacher says, you know, everything for your groups has to go with kind of App State's big thing on sustainability. Okay, I guess. You know, Whatever. We can do that. If you can make that rule, we'll do it. And then they kind of, they bring out three different types of sustainability, but I'm only going to talk about two because I only feel like talking about two. And the two I'm going to to talk about are environmental sustainability and health sustainability. My group is on health sustainability. And I'm just puzzled about the teachers talking the talk and then not walking the walk at all i get that sense it's not like i'm being actively persecuted in class but i get this sense that they really don't want me to do or think what they tell me i should be we're gonna get there we're gonna get there i'll explain what i'm saying right after this i'm gonna make this break short real short but i just gotta stick with my clock so we're going out now Keep on listening. Don't tune me out yet. Let the seven percent of what you hear be a big seven percent. Make it huge. I'm loopy. Grab right bag. I'm loopy. So I I'm having a problem. I'm having a crisis Of sorts it's more of just confusion and not knowing exactly what to think and knowing what's a you know what's an appropriate opinion to have on all of this but i feel like a lot of professors i have and they all lean the same way in the, in the same track of opinions they all lean the same way and they they say make your opinions come to college absorb all you can and from the facts you know Make your opinions on life. Sounds nice. Sounds like the right, you know, that sounds logical. And then you get to the point where you start thinking one way. And if it's what they think, they're going to go, you've drawn the right conclusion. Even though you were open, you know, through your openness to all the different views, you've drawn the right conclusion. But if you go the other way... With all the right things that you've heard. They lean you another way. That seems completely logical. They say shame on you. Why don't you think what I think. You know make your opinions. That's good. But shame on you. Because you don't agree with mine. Or you don't have the same one as mine. I just. I don't understand. The the, the first. Thing I want to look at here. Is one of the topics one of my classes has. For a project. And it's looking at. Environmental sustainability. That's a huge thing here on this campus is looking into environmental sustainability. And in a lot of ways, it's a good thing to look into. You know, how do we keep our environment clean? How do we keep the world clean? How do we? Yeah, it's just basically that. Use what we have. Don't use something that's going to go away so that we deplete what we have. Use things that are renewable. Okay, or things that we have unlimited supply of, yeah, sounds good. But then we get to uh, you know the the big the big topic of global warming. Now a, a lot of people out there have their opinion on it, but I don't yet. I don't. You know, I, professors will show you stats, but I've been taught to really look at graphs, and really see if it shows legit information rarely have i ever been shown a graph that has all the information you need on it to conclude that this is a legitimate graph a lot of times they're missing subtitles missing units a graph is useless without units i'm sure them all the time you might as well just draw lines on a board it would show the exact same thing and they point at a certain spot and don't really explain why and say this is why the world is getting hotter. And then I look at. Let's accept that. That graph is legitimate. And the world is getting hotter. You look deeper into it. And the reality is. is like. It's only a few degrees hotter. If it's only a few degrees hotter. I'm thinking to myself. If it's only a few degrees hotter. Then why are all of the icebergs. And glaciers. And in, in fear of melting. If it's only a few degrees hotter, does that mean that those places where you had glaciers and massive amounts of ice that would take hundreds or thousands of years to accumulate were just below 32 degrees and now they're at the point where they can melt? For all these huge statements that I'm hearing saying that like all the ice is going to melt, the oceans are going to rise, which takes a lot of water, by the way. They're all saying they're going to rise two or three feet. Then that means all of these places that. In order to exist would have to be way lower than 32 degrees all the time. Would have to be right below 32. For these few degrees in increase in global temperature to melt them. Or you could say no those places are still very cold. And uh, it's just the edges that are. You know, it's just the edges that are getting warmer. Well, then don't tell me the ocean is going to rise by two or three feet. That's not enough water. Either that or these places where there are ice are much, much, much larger than I could possibly imagine. But even at the point where I am, where I'm just sitting thinking, you know, is this, you know, I've never really heard a legitimate person tell me about global warming i hear it from other people who are my age who don't know anything kind of like me and then i hear it from a professor who teaches about photography telling me there's global warming and then i take an astronomy class and on every single test we have is the question what is the cause of global warming on an astronomy test You're an astronomer. You literally cover everything other than global. And you're going to quiz me on, test me on the cause of global warming. So I question and I get this sense from these people that they think I'm an idiot because I'm doing exactly what they told me because I'm thinking through things. I'm using what I've seen. I haven't seen good enough evidence. I haven't seen the right people to tell me. I can't draw a conclusion. And yet, since I can't draw a conclusion, I'm an idiot. By the way, we just had one of the coldest winters that Boone's had in a long time, and we're about to have another really cold one, it looks like. And the world's getting a lot hotter, isn't it? You see, if, if if the global temperature is all is increasing, net increasing on average, and um, some places get colder, that means some other places must get extremely hot. I don't know. Maybe. Who do I who am I to know? Who are you to know? Were you there? Someone you know there? I mean how how can we draw these conclusions? I just don't know how you can. And I don't know why you trust every single word that comes out of someone's mouth just because they have a PhD. Do what they tell you and be critical. Don't be cynical. And don't accept everything. Be critical. This school has been awesome to me, but I'm confused. And I feel like this sort of a thing is not just stuck to App State. I feel like it would be much worse at a lot of other institutions. Probably even to the point where they don't say be critical. They say, listen to what I'm telling you. It's right. I don't know. And then then there comes the whole idea of it being a political game. I'm not going to do my last break. We come to the point where it's it could be a political game. You know, the way I've always thought of it was, you know, I've heard so many people, frankly, in my mind, unqualified people tell me that global warming exists. And then a lot of times they tie it onto our president because he's conservative. And most of the time, these people who tell me about global warming are liberal. And so I start to think, you know, okay, maybe, you know, the conservatives are playing a political game in order to, you know, and just saying that no, global warming doesn't exist, even though they know it does. Maybe it's just a political game that the conservatives are making. Doesn't that stink? And it dawned on me the other day well, what if it's a political game the liberals are making? Wouldn't that stink? And then how do I know which one's actually true? Just because I lean one side or lean the other way doesn't mean one side or the other side is guilty of this. They all play political games. So you can't sit there the whole time and just because you voted for someone sit there and think, you know, this person's perfect. The other side's always playing political games. Whoever you vote for is playing political games. And you see it a lot with education. People were publicly funded. So if scientists who get grants, federal grants to do things, if they want the money, they're going to have to be buddies with whoever's in office. So if someone tends to give more money towards science, you're going to see scientists lean that way politically. Because that's where they get their money from. Same way with educators. I think everyone can agree that educators need to be paid more. That's something that needs to happen. And not necessarily educators at this level. They get decent paychecks. We're talking like elementary school, middle school, high school. They're basically all underpaid. And that's everyone basically goes to lower school, middle school and high school. Not that many get to go to college. So what's really important is that Everybody gets the good teachers. Not just once you get through that and get to a university. You should have good teachers before then. So is it a political game? Either side? I mean, it's totally possible. And it's a shame. And then you see educators possibly playing political games, scientists playing political games in order to get more funding so they can do more stuff. They get to do their job. They get a retirement. They get paychecks. It's important. Of course, they're going to be politically leaned to who's going to give them money. They're going to be buddies with them. It's important. But then we get to one that's really personal to me, and that's actually the one that I'm in the group for, and that's health sustainability. And so naturally, when People my age think of health sustainability. They think of mental health. So that's kind of what my group is going on. Mental health of college students and how that all kind of ties in with physical health and stuff like that. And so. I start diving into this and I just. I sit there at group meetings with my group and uh, there are very few people at this school that understand what I'm about to say but if you don't have poor health you have no idea what you're talking about when you talk about health sustainability you have no idea There are very few people at this school who are obviously physically handicapped. That's obvious. Just open your eyes. And there are very few people here like me who have serious issues and shouldn't be here but suffer through it because they want to. Because they love it here and they love what this school is doing for them. The people who are closest to me know that it's a major struggle. It's terrible. I didn't do a show last week because I felt so bad I couldn't do it. That's the first time that's happened. I rarely miss class. I show up. I look like garbage. People look at me and say, are you okay? And I have to say, yeah. So they don't keep asking about it. I have an electronic bike. I put an electric motor on a bicycle so I can go to classes That are more than a hundred yards away from where I live. And I sit with a group of freshmen. On a project about health sustainability. And naturally. None of them think about physical. And if they do. If they think of something remotely close to physical. They're thinking like. Does this person work out or not? And in their mind they're kind of thinking. Is this person lazy or not? Because that's the kind of people we have up here. We don't have people with physical problems. Not many. And if they do, they have to do stuff like me. Pursue a job where you sit behind a microphone and talk. Now think about that for a minute. When you actually have real health issues, it does affect your life. We're not just talking physical. We're talking mental as well. Mental health, we're talking about things like mental disorders. I can't imagine what that's like. And neither can you. We can't imagine it. A real mental disorder? It's terrifying. And then we get on topics, the common one is depression. Now, I got to say, I think depression... Has made its way into our pop culture in a way that's really bad. In a way that I don't like at all. Where people think it's super common. And doctors will say it's common. Because they want you to show up so they get paid. It's the truth of it. Depression definitely exists. And I have most definitely had it. But there's a huge difference... College students, real other people. There's a difference between being sad and disappointed and being depressed. There's a difference. You can be really, really sad for a real reason. But you're not necessarily depressed. A lot of doctors, though, you'll go see a doctor and they'll say, yes, you are depressed. But uh, you know they just—they're just telling you what you want to hear. That's super common. It's incredibly common. That's why it's been frustrating for me having a very difficult to diagnose disease. You go see a ton of doctors, and they don't have an answer for you. They can't say no because they look at you and see how your life is, and they're like, "Man, there's something wrong," but they don't have a—they don't have a yes. And they get frustrated. And it frustrates you too. Doctors like to avoid the frustration. So if you go in and say I'm really sad because of whatever, whatever, whatever. They'll say, yes, you're depressed. Take these antidepressants. Now some people might need antidepressants and not realize it. And they get on them and their life's changed. But a lot of doctors will give patients what they want. A lot of them. And that brings us up to the opioid crisis. Statistics say that one third. Is that right? One third of opioid prescriptions. Have no reason from the doctors. Doctors give no reason for a third of opioid prescriptions from NBC News. That's what a study has found. That's how the opioid crisis exists. You got doctors that just want you to come in and you tell them, yes, I know exactly what you have. Take this. It'll fix you. But they're opioids. They're highly addictive. And people are getting stuck on them. And then got some cases, like my dad just had surgery on his knee. Yeah, you need something for it. An opioid might be the right thing, but he didn't take them because they're so addictive. It's not worth it. He's still alive. He's gotten past his surgery. You don't have to take them in some cases. But doctors, up to now, just throw them. They're cheap. They're easy to prescribe. You just say, yes, take it. I'll send this out to the pharmacy. Go pick it up in two hours. Pay five bucks of course, the people kind of like it. I mean, it's addictive. The opioid crisis is, is sad. And App State, I love you, but I'm confused. You tell us to be sustainable, sustain your environment, sustain your health. You could help me sustain my health by letting me park on campus. That'd be nice. You could be sustainable by uh, letting me live on the first floor of my dorm my freshman year, because I asked, and you said nobody lives on the first floor of your dorm. And then I find out a week later that about five people live on the first floor of my dorm. You could sustain my health a little bit. I love to think that the people around me have good intentions in what they say and that what they say becomes what they do. But I just don't think that's the case. There's more more to life than just accepting what people say to be what they actually think and do. It's a sad world. It's an imperfect world. I think it's inherently imperfect now. And that you can't expect to get what you want when you think you should have it. And just because you try for something doesn't mean you're going to get it. Even if you try really hard. All these sustainability things have one goal in mind. It's for people to create the perfect world. You can search and search forever for this, but I can tell you one thing from a very broken person who can't be fixed and has done so many terrible things. You can search and search and create and create all you want. Whether we're talking health or environment, you're not going to build the perfect world it's impossible I really did miss having my show last week and I really did feel like garbage I'll be back again and uh, less time it'll probably be less emotional but I had to get that off my back I wish I had another two more hours on air like I would as a pro but I just have an hour and I just went three minutes and thirty five seconds over time I'm Lupin.